Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's Ignited Relationships podcast. I'm Adi Jaffe. And I'm Sophie Jaffe. And today we have an episode from before yes. that we're re-releasing. Um, Melissa Ambrosini, a good, 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 wonderful, dear friend of mine and her husband, Nick, we interviewed a while ago, but it's a very powerful episode and we want you to have this wisdom and these amazing nuggets. I was actually just on her amazing podcast. It's called The Melissa Ambrosini Show. And it should be out by now. And if not, it's coming out soon. And we go into all things motherhood, secrets, tips, tricks. Um, her Their new baby is almost a year. And yeah, so check that out on her show. I, I feel like this was when they came to our house. Because yeah. that was really cool. They're from Australia, which you will pick up with the accent in about... 45 seconds. Cutest accent. And when they came, that was the first time you guys met, right? In the flesh, yep. Yeah, and then so- we were in a mastermind together. And that was incredible. And one of the most stabilizing, inspiring pieces. Um, we were actually on this mastermind together during COVID, deep COVID, and during BLM, and just everything that was going on in the world. And it was just such a gift to have this mastermind and be in that circle with her and a few other amazing women. Yeah, so in a cool way, I feel like this interview is almost the really strong strong beginning Mm -hmm. of a much much deeper relationship you and melissa have developed over the last couple of years absolutely and i love this perspective because we have her husband nick in the house with us too and they just really walk the walk they're so authentic this conversation's really conscious and vulnerable and this relationship that they're in was built on so much trust Um, And mostly doing the work for themselves, independently doing the work, healing their past, their old pains, their traumas. He was married before. And the reason they found each other was because of that alignment of each of them individually doing the work on their own so that they could actually truly see each other and attract one another. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite parts of the story. You know, you and I, for instance, we met. I was I mean, I was in a new phase of life. You were still really, really young. And I feel like we had no tools when we started. And we were out of alignment in terms of like where we were. You know, we loved each other. We were so attracted to each other. There was so much energy there. The timing was off and timing matters. A lot, a lot. And so even when we separated, I know part of our story is always, I did a lot of personal work, but Nick talks about some of these books, like The Way of the Superior Man, these other books that it really took me another 10, 12 years to read. And I think for everybody listening right now, you know how big we are on tools, but you know, whether you're in a relationship right now or you're seeking a relationship, and that's something that we talk to a lot of women and men about. Take some notes. (laughs) These books, go read these books. They're really, really, really important. They change the way you see the world. And there's just so much wisdom in this episode. We talk about how to move past old wounds and insecurities and even current wounds and insecurities and how to communicate them clearly to our partners. Yeah. We talk about why it matters, who you get relationship advice from. Ooh, this is a huge one for so me. Big. I I don't even know. Maybe this was the thing that solidified that for me, but I was definitely going to the wrong people for relationship advice. So this was, you know, that's a huge tip. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, I mean, we talk to a lot of people, a lot of friends that just come to us for relationship advice and obviously the people we work with. And you hear sometimes about where people get advice on how to make the relationship better and who are they getting it from either people who have never been in a very serious relationship, people, like parents trying to get 
relationship advice from people who don't have kids and yes, younger you friends like just just the wrong your roommate but like she's never been in a relationship before why would you go to your relationship your relationship advice from your roommate that doesn't make sense yeah, right yeah like you're not coming to me for advice on how to cook some amazing four course meal no. for your friends because i'm not a chef exactly exactly they also share some of the most important qualities to have in a relationship and practical tools and advice for anyone struggling with intimacy with their partner or any sort of stagnancy. Yeah, and this, you know, there's intimacy is something we talk about so much. We do communication workshops and we help people understand the, the models. And Nick talks about this a lot, right? He Like the past marriage that he had and, and the, how that one ended with a lot of conflict. But because he learned some stuff during his next relationship, he was able to release that one with a lot more ease. I think you created the word easeful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you started it in this episode for us. And it's kind of this idea that you really, yes, you're going to have some level of conflict in all relationships. But the question is, how do you navigate your way through it and not let it blow up? And that's, I think tools are really, really important. It's everything. And that's why we want to share so many tools with you. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or you're just tuning in, we share so many tools and tricks to get you kind of on the like fast forwarded path so that you don't have to take as much time as a D and I did to figure out the bumpy roads. Yeah. Um, share this episode. We're going to get right to it. What inspired you? Share it on your social media or maybe send the link of this episode to a friend who's maybe interested in this type of stuff. Intimacy, relationships, self-love, attracting the one. Yeah, the, the power of sexuality, intimacy, and, and that kind of physical connection relationship. And obviously follow Melissa and Nick. They are incredible people we consider them friends kind of a long one so enjoy yourself with this one and uh see you on the other side bye life is all about relationships lovers family body or money how satisfied you are can be completely explained by how you relate to things around you this is sophie jaffe and together with my husband dr d jaffe We are here to explore and teach you how to maximize your relationships and achieve a happier life. Let's get ignited. This is my favorite format when we actually get to interview another couple. It's only happened a handful of times where we get this lucky. So it's uh, it's really, really nice. And we're incredibly lucky today to have Melissa Melissa Abergini and um, Nick Broadhurst here today. And you guys are individually epic and have done a lot on your own so having you two together i feel like let alone in our house in la <laughs> is like a once in a lifetime chance so thank you so much for making it thank guys you thank you we feel so blessed to be here thank you so much yeah you guys walked into um <laughs> we always tell people that our house is a hostel and there's a bunch of people walking in <laughs> now, but you can't really understand until you actually walk into our house yeah we're kind of we're pretty casual around here but I and love we're that. We're all family. Yeah, I love yeah. that. You get that vibe. As soon as you walk into your house, it's family. Mm-hmm. You really do feel that. Yeah. That's yeah. what we want to impart and just share with our community and whether or not you're coming to podcast or like you're in our circle if you're here, you know? Mm, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much to talk about. It's funny for those of you listening right now, we were talking ahead of time about what topics should we cover? And I feel like there's huge alignment in the topics, Melissa, that you talk about in your on your podcast anyway, and the stuff that we cover here. Um, have you ever done a podcast together? Yeah. Yeah, well, we do 
episodes. So I go on to hers. Got it. And we do one called the Yin Yang Q&A. So we answer all the audience questions. And I have a podcast too, but I did that for a year. I did 108 episodes. It was a solo cast. And I just had so much to say and I just got it out of my system. And then I thought, yeah. I feel, I feel good now. I'm <laughs> I done. Lo- I love it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why we like interviewing people is because there's a lot for us to say. We talk once a month, just the two of us, but it's your story that I think is so intriguing and to be able to bring the worlds together. Right. Connect. To be able to connect our story with yours is really where it's at. And I think that's what people really want. And yeah, there's this huge value to sharing our own wisdom. And again, we do that. We talk... Um, Every month we have four episodes that go live and the first three weeks are with guests and a specific theme. And then the last one we go deep and that's the two of us interviewing each other and just connecting about the topic and reviewing who we interviewed. And I love that because then we get a little bit of both. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm, That sounds great. I think it's so important that there is people like you guys doing this because there aren't many examples of relationships that are taking responsibility, Mm -hmm. uh, conscious relationships, whatever you want to call them. And I think it's just so beautiful that you guys are doing that and just sharing your wisdom and what you've learned and things like that. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's not easy. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. for sure. Oh, totally. And we catch flack for it um, because, you know, we don't mince words. So actually, I want to hear about the two of you. I mean, a lot of achievement between both of you. Let's start at the basics. How did this start? Our relationship? Yeah. Well, we both, I've actually been married previously and I have a 14-year-old son. So, I had to move through a lot of stuff post that marriage. It was a very um, challenging breakup, very public, lots of infidelity. It was one of those things which at the time I had no tools, zero tools to cope with that. Mm. So, for me, it just, I stored it inside. I stored it as anger. Um, And that built up into physical problems, physical health problems. You know, I was um, almost bedridden for three years Mm. um, with mystery illnesses, fibromyalgia, whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, Ultimately, I destroyed my nervous system through stress and and through anger. I didn't have the outlet at the time. Um, But I found myself in a beautiful relationship for a few years and uh, could have been another great relationship. I almost proposed, but um, I read conversations with God. I was in the middle of the uh, ocean Mm. on a surf trip and I read this one sentence in there that said, let your love propel your beloveds into the world so they may experience the fullest version of themselves. Mm. Only then if you truly loved, and I'm totally paraphrasing. But when I read that, I realized I had to let her go. And I'm so glad I did because six months later we were engaged and we, we knew of each other. Um, our partners at the time were friends. So we'd been to dinners and we'd sort of seen each other out and about, but we'd never, we'd never really saw each other. Mm. We were aware of each other, but it was like, there was this wall up saying, no, it's not time. Don't, don't go there yet. Mm. You know, Mm. still too much work to do. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we, we, when we did come together, it was very quick. We, had a couple of beautiful dates and we were engaged in two weeks and wow and it was just on wow. it was just yeah and then we got married five and a half months later and that was six years ago amazing and one of the most common questions we get asked when we tell that story straight away is like they're like how did other people respond right you know and there was some people that were so happy for us like the people that were in happy marriages and relationships were so happy for us. They were like, this is like a fairy tale. Mm. Like, this is amazing. Like you've, you've found your 
person. Mm. And then there was a few people who, not many, but they weren't in happy relationships and they weren't happy within themselves that they would say to us, don't you think you're rushing? Like, and, and then we always say like, it was one of the most sure things that we've ever done. Like it was almost choiceless. It wasn't even a thing. It, was it just, wasn't even a thing. It was just, just like was. effortless being guided. Yeah. I don't you remember know? if it's as good as it gets. It was the movie, but there's a line from a movie, which is when you meet the person you're meant to spend the rest of your life with, you want the rest of your life to start right now. Mm. You don't want to wait. Totally. I mean, like so it sounds like that's what it felt like. Totally. Point, because society says you're supposed to wait a year, two years, two years yeah. and then another year to be engaged and like mm-hmm. plan the wedding and all those things. Who sa- who says that's the way it has to be? Totally. Yeah. So I have a different question because as you can tell from Sophie and I's story, mm-hmm. we don't care that much about what other people think. Mm-hmm. I want to know for you, you'd been in a relationship before and you had been in another one in the middle that was good. I'm assuming you'd had other relationships, Melissa. So yes. what felt different? What What was that X factor that you had here that just, you hadn't found before. It was like home. Like Mm. it truly was home. Like we've been together in many past lives. If you believe in that, it was literally like people used to say to me, when you know, you know, and I'd be like, whatever. But there was a deep knowing. Mm. There was just like this deep knowing and trust, like, He's just my, he's my person. And it was really interesting because our parents, when they then met me, so when Nick's parents met me, they were like, oh, of course, of course you two. And then when my parents met Nick, they're like, oh yeah, of course, like you two are each other's people. Um, So when people met us together, they were like, oh yes, of course you two are together. You're each other's person. Mm. And so, yeah, it just felt like home. And, And that saying, when you know, you know, like I used to like be like, whatever, that is the biggest load of BS. Mm-hmm. But then when I met him, I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, th- I think the home feeling comes from the amount of unity you have together. I mean, I call them unity points. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's like these points of unity where there's so much unity that it just feels like, my gosh, this is just, I mean, I was going to say easy then, but of course being in a really it's like more easeful correct mm-hmm. it's not easy yeah correct and like relationships shouldn't be easy all the time because you're doing hard work but but it's easeful to do the hard work because it's a pleasure to do it with your person well you also you totally it's easeful i think sophie just invented a word well we'll take it i like <laughs> I it. it but i think as well that when when especially when you marry i think there's something quite unique about marrying because you know, you kind of draw a line in the sand and it's like, well, I know she's my soulmate and we're married and we've, you know, we've got these plans together and okay, this situation may be tough. This may be uncomfortable, but I mean, do we want to just move through this now or let's drag out for a week or a month or let's just, let's just get to the, cut to the chase. We're we, in it together forever. Let's just get through this. We were talking about that right before we started. And, um, you know, Sophie and I share openly, obviously you guys as well. And every once in a while that makes people really uncomfortable because there are a lot of topics you're not supposed to talk about. You're not supposed to talk about the things that aren't working well in your marriage sure. if you keep it together. You're not supposed to talk about sex unless you're just generally saying- um, We love talking about we, sex. We have good sex. <laughs> like unless that's all you say, but if there's if there's struggles or if your sex doesn't look the way everybody else says that it's supposed to look, you're supposed to write that off. Um, in general, I think you're not supposed to talk about anything that's not going well unless you're talking shit about your partner. I feel like people are totally fine venting about their partner to others, but then like in combined company, just put on a a pretty face. And so we catch a lot of flack 
for being more honest. You know, I always say there's still a gap between our most raw, just the two of us and what we share with the world, but, sure. but we share a lot. And we were talking about that before, how so many people are so quick to use any opportunity that looks like, well, it's not a perfect match or there's conflict, there's friction as, as a way out, like as, mm. a, as a door, as an exit route. And I say this all the time, Sophie, we say it to couples we work with all the time. That to me is this, the thing that separates the couples that make it long-term versus not, is the recognition, just like you just said, Nick, that there's gonna be conflict you can drag it out, never talk about it and wait until it explodes or let's just deal with it right now. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if I had to picture what it's like being in this sort of relationship, if you picture, this just came to me then actually, this visual when you said burst or pop, whatever it was. If you sort of imagine like you're in this beautiful bubble together and it is a container that, you know, if you respect it, you can really float with that beautifully. But occasionally something does come along that bursts your bubble a bit. You know, and you can just kind of fall all the way back down or you can just pick up another bubble and keep going, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm. And I think that works for me as um, as a a metaphor, I guess, is because if you respect that container, that container is going to give you the sort of growth you just simply, it's very, very hard to get that growth on your own. And so Melissa and I have always said that, you know, coming together was the most effortless, easy thing. But then being together is, you know, it's it's polarity, it's duality. Like there is both all the experiences that are available to us are heightened in this relationship because there's nowhere to hide anymore. So, I mean, right now there's things happening in our life where Melissa's like calling me out on it all the time. Mm Cause you know, she's checking me in now. Like, okay, just going to check in on this. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Otherwise I could go off on some tangent, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and it's easy for me to keep my mouth shut. Like it's easy. But I'm like, no, like I'm not here to do that. Like mm-hmm. I'm here to ask the tougher questions. Uh, yeah. And, and I want him to be the best version of himself and he wants the same for me. And that's our role yeah. in our union but that we've cho- chosen to play for each other. We want to hold each other accountable. It's not always rainbows and butterflies. And this is the thing. Like I think a lot of people look at us and look at you mm-hmm. guys and they think, even though we openly share on our podcast and so do you, Mm -hmm. they think we're perfect. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, did you just hear what I just, like the story I just- Can you just link a few (laughs) articles for you? (laughs) And and I'm like, there's no such thing. And I think a lot of people, they want this ideal, like perfect, quote unquote perfect, where you never fight. And that is just not reality. Mm -mm. But what I do think- you know, we model really well is we take responsibility. We're both individually doing the work and we do work together. And I am a hundred percent responsible for my 50%. And he is a hundred percent responsible for his 50%. And if we both continue to own that, then we're going to move through stuff. Yeah. And you can use it as an opportunity. Yeah. Everything that comes up isn't good or bad. And that took me a long, I'm a person Mm. who used to love good and bad. Like that's, it's just the way I grew up thinking the world was like, if I do this, it's good. If I do that, it's bad. And it took me cheating on a D, um, five years ago. You cheated on me? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, 
And it was it was a one night stand. Perfect relationship, y'all. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Hashtag hashtag perfect. perfect. You know, and that even was an opportunity for my best friend who was there that night mm-hmm. and who I, I came immediately and told her and him. Mm-hmm. And I was intoxicated. I was on MDMA. I was I had like taken cocaine. I was on a bunch of champagne. The the guy was sober. And, you know, we'll get into that, like questionable yeah. rape situation. Mm-hmm. But I take control in that. There was a part of me that was like, oh, he cheated on me once. Like, I'd like to experience this. I've never had a one night stand. And after that, I beat myself up so badly. It was an opportunity for my best friend to take me down from this pedestal she put me on. She put us on a pedestal. She got to experience in raw form. Like, they didn't believe me. They were like blinking their eyes. Like, what? I'm like, they didn't believe. They're like jaws to the ground. They took min- like several minutes for them to understand that I was telling the truth, that this just happened. Um, and every single, and it took me, I don't know, a year to realize that there is no good and bad. It's what you do with it. Mm. It's an opportunity to learn, to grow, to experience together. I would, I probably wouldn't have feel, felt safe enough in myself to do that without the security of my person. Mm. I wouldn't have let myself do that because that was bad, quote unquote. It was bad to have a one night stand. It was bad to X, Y, and Z. So to me, it was so freeing. And I took myself down from that pedestal because Mm. I had put anyone who had had a one night stand or cheated in the bad category. Mm. Who am I to judge what anyone else does? And so I think that all of these opportunities as much on the spectrum of quote, bad it could be, to good, looking at it as an opportunity for growth. And yeah, we could have separated each time that we made big mistakes or each time that we got into a big fight, but instead we use it as an opportunity. Like guys, this is, I'm so, I'm so proud of you, like Mm -hmm. truly for speaking about this, because like you said, anytime things get hard and I always say the grass isn't greener Mm -hmm. on the other side, the grass is greener where you water it. And if you that. want yeah. your relationship to thrive and flourish and yeah. to grow and evolve, you've got to invest the time and the energy. Yeah. And you guys faced something that was really challenging yeah. and you went, we're going to do this. And even in the moment, I looked at him and I said, and like I had supported him through years and years of this kind of similar stuff of just so much work. And I looked at him and I was like, are you leaving? We, have, we had two kids at the time. Mm. He was like, no, I'm not. Like, literally, I was like, what the like, fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he hated me in that moment. He hated my actions. He was very upset, like supercharged up. I was afraid. Like my insecurities came up. Like I did something so quote unquote bad. Like I deserve to go to hell. I deserve, you know, all those things. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. It's so funny that we come up with these things. If we can find like a, like a three day hell where it's just really uncomfortable. You and like, and I could, I could yeah. send you there for a few days. I went there. Yeah, no. I was in my own hell and filth. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, the thing is, it doesn't, a lot of people, like the infidelity thing is really hard for a lot of people to process, but everybody goes through trials and tribulations and relationships. You just, you will. And so the question is, are you going to be able to double down? And like we said before we started recording, stop trying to be right and prove that you're right and figure out how to make the relationship the best that it can be. Yeah. it's Yeah. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? You know, it's like right and wrong is a really slippery slope. Mm -hmm. And I think in relationships, it gets heightened. It can become tit for tat. Mm -hmm. But if you just acknowledge that in life, in, in the world, in the universe, there is no right or wrong. 
it actually changes everything, your relationship to everything. Now, of course, there are things that can feel really uncomfortable, the the, the deceit of infidelity. So you, you, the, the problem there is obviously the trust, right, yeah. and the lack of transparency. Um, but the action itself is not actually right or wrong, mm-hmm. but there was just something in there that triggered the pain because there was a lack of honesty between, right? So um, for me, that was a huge thing, even with my uh, with Leo, my, my son's mother. So I was always trying to make her wrong, you know, well, we broke up because of this and blah, blah, blah. And then we are parenting this way. And I found that really challenging because we parent very differently. And then actually in the first year of our um, getting together, I had this realization where I was like, I had this phone call with her and it was really uncomfortable. And I got off the phone call and I just went, oh my God, I'm trying to make her wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and our patterns. Yeah. And I just yeah. promised myself to never do that again with mm. her. And all of a sudden in that moment, all the anger, everything dissolved, everything went away. And I felt intense love and compassion for her. Mm. And that was literally by just seeing the other side. Cause I wasn't seeing the other side. And if you don't see the other side, you get fully emotionally charged. Um, so for me, it's been profound, just acknowledging there's no right or wrong. And I don't think we get into that much in our relationship. I think most of the issues we have in our relationship is probably when we haven't had enough sex. Yeah. Seriously. I know when I say or sex. closeness or intimacy. Just intimacy. Yeah. Because our sex is beautiful in the sense that we, um, it's a very, it's a very deep spiritual experience mm-hmm. for us. And um, it's the glue that binds us together. And any thing that's happening, which is uncomfortable in our life is a symptom of a lack of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And all we need to do it could feel like the relationship's about to end totally. and then one cervical orgasm later and the world yeah. is freaking yeah. sweet again. Like, I'm like, what? Who? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm amazing. And it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Why are you making such a big deal? Like, <laughs> we, we def- we've literally had that conversation before. Mm-hmm. Just anger and anxiety and stress. I think, I think as long as you're on the same page, I think it's okay. But oftentimes, like, a deal go there. He'll just be like, we're just in such a bad place. I'm like, no, we're not. We're so good. And then like, he needs that to feel. And sometimes I do. It's like, but the best is when it's at least on the same, like we're both like, we're but even apart. like, even like, was it a week ago? I think it was a week ago when we were in that place where we we're going to go to bed and it's just, there was a tension. You could feel the tension. <laughs> and then Sophie's back is to mine. I'm my, my oh, back exactly is to about to happen. Yeah. I, I, I turn over. It's like very, very careful. Like, arm over just testing the water sophie understands what's happening she comes closer and it took three minutes of this dance we end up having sex and then it's like there's not only was there not tension it was the opposite but it was yeah it was the exact opposite it was we hadn't felt closer it's as if we hadn't felt closer in forever and it's yeah. it's such an interesting thing to recognize because like anything else in life you, you can get locked in the perspective that you're seeing the world from in that moment and it's the same thing. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Yeah. And, and this, and Melissa's, she talks about this in her book, Open Wide, so well. Um, there's a saying, nothing good comes from closing. Mm. And it's literally one of the most transformative things you can agree upon and, and use as like a mantra in your relationship. Because whenever someone's closed, ain't nothing good coming from that. Mm. And what was happening for you guys in, in the bed was, you know, the back closed yeah. is, you know, you were closed. Turned off, yeah. And so we, we acknowledge this all the time and, and we literally- 
tell the same story. Like because my back to my him. My back and I like. Literally. And he'll like, like he'll tap me and like hair, pull, you know? pull my shoulder and he's like testing the waters. Yeah. And then like I'll finally like soften and open up again. Yeah. But nothing good comes from closing is one of our favorite mm. sayings. It changes everything. But it's also not just in your intimate relationship no. with, with your friends. It's everything. Like it's every relationship. Like you close down, withdraw love, close off your heart. Nothing good is going to come from yeah. that ever. So let me ask you a question because I wonder about this and I know, I think I know why it happens to me. And almost all of it is out of insecurity. Almost all of it comes from a place of, it's never really about Sophie. It's about me being afraid that my partner is going to reject me in some potentially really small way. Because I don't think she's leaving because of it. But you said, uh, Nick, you were talking about like triggers some past hurts. And it's almost like I can feel all the times that I didn't feel cool enough or good enough or smart enough or whatever, fill in your blank. Um, and when I was a kid or even a teenager, it was just a feeling that would take over me. And now I feel like oftentimes my biggest job as an adult is to recognize that I'm having the feeling see it, go, oh, wait, I've had this feeling multiple times before. It's just a lie. It's just a story my brain tells me. And then find a way to almost like muscle my way out of it and go, you know what? No, fuck it. I'm taking over. Mm. I'm not allowing this childish fear that I've had to dictate what my life is like now. And I don't know if that's the same for everybody else. I know we've talked to some people who have the same thing, but what, what do you attribute it given the experiences you've had in life to the fact that even though we have the knowledge we're talking about here, right here, and yet, you know, in six days, we might find ourselves in a similar situation and have to go through the internal process again. Mm. Well, I think like the human condition is we sort of forget, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we forget our lessons so quickly. Yeah. Um, there's a great book called We Learn Nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a funny sort of book, but it has a very good message in that. Um, I think some lessons are just harder to learn than others, to be honest. There's some things that are just harder for me to move beyond than it is for Melissa and vice versa, and that's just our own thing. Um, I don't really know, actually. I feel like it's it's childhood wounds. Yeah, the inner child stuff's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it all stems from that. Or not even childhood wounds. It could be past relationship wounds. But even just hearing you speak then, it was like I could feel what you were just saying then in myself mm. from teenage years. I could... Mm. And I don't think I've actually thought about it too much, but not cool enough, didn't fit in in that group or, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't as good a surfer as that guy or whatever, you know. Insecurities. And yeah. Mm. I can feel that. So that's obviously in my system. It's very real still. Yeah. I think as well, like the more honest you can be with each other in open wide, I talk a lot about CCC, crystal clear communication. Mm. Whenever there is a relationship breakdown, it's usually because one of us hasn't practiced crystal clear communication. Or we'd love to. Yeah. Or there's lack of, which it comes back from, I haven't expressed that I wanted to, you know, like that it's, it's a lack of CCC. Mm -hmm. You know, I could have expressed to you that, I want to make love. Like it's really important to me right now or something like that. But I'm just like holding it in. Mm. Why doesn't he know what I'm t- like? Why doesn't he, why can't he read my mind? Yeah. And then the masculine will go, what's wrong? Baby? Nothing. And I know exactly what's wrong. Right. I'm like, right. why don't I just, just, just in just that moment, it. just get onto it. Yeah. You know, and I'm sitting there trying to have a dialogue around it. Like that yeah. classic masculine <laughs> trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know, and the, the best thing I can do is, is actually embrace the masculine energy of being very directional and take action. Mm. Which, you know, and I find that really funny, you know, because that comes back to what you were just saying, that 
we are always faced with this polarity. Like is the masculine wants to figure things out, mm. but actually has the directional ability to just do it. Yeah. But still tries to figure it out. I feel it's like, like we have that weird- issue. Like you like struggle to just pounce. Like you'll, you'll know that what I want and you just like hesitate because you want me to say what you want me to say, or you want permission in some way. Hey, why do you hesitate? I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, I, again, right. This is what I love about these conversations. There's always room for me to learn, but I definitely identify times in my past where I just, there was fear of rejection. And even though this is my person, even though we've been together for 15 years, even though I'm she's not going been going anywhere, <laughs> I mean, you better not, but, um, you know, even though I know all that logically, there's this, you said it, you said child wound. Like it's just this piece that is almost expecting that the whole reality is going to crumble any minute because I was actually right when I was younger and I didn't fit in. And it's, it's so funny to say it out loud because it's always there in the background in a very, very small way, but I ignore it the vast majority of the time. The vast majority of the time it doesn't affect me. But even as you're, you're talking, Melissa, about this crystal clear communication, we are incredibly transparent in our communication. And yet there's always an opportunity to get better. Totally. Always a way to just be a little bit more expressive, a little bit more direct, a little bit more of asking for what you want. Because even in the radical transparency, sometimes I hide from myself what I want because I, I fear how Sophie might react to it. And so just mm. being over and abundantly clear. Imagine if we just said like, there's a little part of me that is feeling like so scared right now because I feel like you're going to reject me, but I'm going to say it anyway. You said this, actually. I do. This is how I communicate I, with I've him. I've heard this sentence. So you I know, know yeah. and that I haven't always, like yeah. I've had to learn yeah, this. Yeah, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, like there's practice. a there's a little part of me that feels so scared right now. Like I just feel like I'm going to be rejected. I feel like I'm going to be abandoned, but I'm going to say it anyway because I can't be bothered beating around the freaking bush anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I share and- it's done and over in like two minutes. Always. You know, it's so much easier where that could have gone on for weeks. Well, for some people, like I, you know, we work with couples. Sometimes it's years. I know. It's not weeks. I know. We're, I think even as we're having this conversation in here, and I think it's important to point this out because you, you mentioned this most earlier, like people look to us and they go, oh my God, they have a perfect relationship. And it's not. And we try to be as clear about that as possible. But at the same time, these lessons that we've learned have definitely shortened the gap between our relationship and a perfect relationship. And what I mean by that is not perfect as in never has conflict. Perfect as in we figured out the tools to allow us to, in every moment, have the best potential experience of that moment. There will be conflict. There will be people outside of our relationship that will come between us and bring things up and trigger our partner when we didn't do anything. And that conflict will, will just spill onto us like, you know, dirty water, just kind of like messing up our reality. I think, again, you, you said it really well, Nick. It's, it's just about having that awareness mm-hmm. and figuring out a way to muscle your way through it. Like the, you said, the masculine of just taking the action. Mm-hmm. You can think about it for 17 years if you want and never fucking do anything. Or talk about it. Or, Which or, would drive the feminine freaking nuts. Yeah. Well, Talk, maybe talk to your partner, but then you can go, that's the thing that I hate the most. And I try to, we talked about this on this podcast. 
I hate it the most when people go talk to other fucking people about it. Like they're going to goddamn solve anything in your relationship. And then what happens, unfortunately, is you talked about polarity. It creates like deeper and more distant polarity. Yeah. Yeah. Because now your partner is not even aware of the issues that other people in your life are now creates this really negativity that, um, that interjects itself onto your relationship over and there's secrets and all that. And that's, I think that's when it gets really bad. Yeah. I just want to speak to that for a minute. Cause I think anyone listening, it's very important who you get relationship advice from. Like it is very important who you take your relationship mm. stuff to. I don't talk about my marriage or anything that we're going through to anyone but a therapist, one of our therapists or a a spiritual teacher, you know, we don't really go to friends and, and talk about what we're going through. It's like we go to someone that can hold space for us, non-judgmental and help us move through it. Because I think what I see with a lot of people and in society today is they feed into that drama. It's that drama of, Oh yeah, he's a dick. And it's like, Okay, it's like this people love that gossiping drama and that is not serving anyone. No. Like ever, it truly by the way, ever. Any, forget not even just in relationships, this idea that speaking ill of others is somehow going to make anything better. It's not even going to mm. make you feel better. It's literally just going to make you feel worse. It's it's like refeeding on this poisonous mm-hmm. set of thoughts sending them to other people, having them regurgitate them back to you and expecting somehow that your life is going to get better through it. It's it's always been one of the things that irks me the most, um, but especially around the most important relationships in your life. I want to honor my partner enough to know that they're the ones that need to hear the message. Totally. Totally. Go to them. Yeah. Sit down, practice CCC, practice crystal clear communication. It's not always going to feel super comfortable and fun and like, yay, I'm so excited to do this. Mm. Often those conversations can feel really challenging and very vulnerable, but that's where the growth is on the other side of the discomfort is growth. And that's where the magic happens. Yeah, we've we've definitely we've had to seek advice at times. Um, there's one particular thing that's come through our relationship, which has just been a very, you know, a big growth curve for Melissa to move through. And in that case, I wasn't the best person to support her because I was too close to it. Mm. And so it's taken us a little while to actually find the right people to support with that. And in fact, you know, one. Um, I guess therapist, you'd say. Um, personally, I felt was actually doing more harm, yeah. um, which I had to sort of interject and undo. Uh, and there's a bit of feeding of those thoughts. So you've got to be really careful about where you, yeah, where you get advice from. But I think mm. as well, sometimes it's okay to reach out because there just might be something where it's so charged that the perspective can't come from the partner because what what the, what you want from your partner is a lover and not a coach, you know, and we always are very mindful not to coach each other. It's a really interesting yeah. thing which we play with, isn't it? It's like how do we give perspective on the situation without coaching? By the way, I just to be clear, I, I'm not saying don't talk to other people about your relationship. What I'm saying is the – Is it how you talk? It's that 
the bitching, whining, yeah, the gossiping, gossiping. Yes, um, the intention's not there to move tossing, through. It. Yeah, if, yeah, the intention. Well, if you have people in your life that are good people that have your best uh, interest at heart, having conversation with them about what's going on in your life and seeking advice is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I find over and over and over that no guy, none of my guy friends will do this now because I don't associate with people who would do this normally. But I, I used to have friends who would just like when we would all hang out, they would just speak ill, otherwise known as talking shit about their partner. And at the time, I don't think, I mean, I was younger. It was like 15 years ago. It didn't, I didn't realize how, not just inappropriate, because forget fucking appropriate. It's just like how damaging that is to their relationship as they're doing it. Like, why are you talking shit about your partner to me? How disrespectful and getting back to the beginning of our conversation, if you don't have enough respect for your partner to trust that they have the resources, they are the kind of person that you want to, what the fuck are you doing with them? I think respect is one of the most important qualities in a relationship to have. And yeah, like we asked Nick's parents on our wedding day, what is their key, the key, one key to them marriage they've been to married for what 50 approaching 50 years 50 yeah. years and i said what's what's the key tell me and his mum said respect and no matter what even she was like even though he drives me crazy like she's like even though he drives me crazy she's like i respect him and i've seen other marriages where there's that nagging and that putting down and tit for tat the tit for tat, like I did this, so you do that, like that sort of thing. And and then this constant like berating and nagging and eye rolling and things like that. And I'm like, that is not respect. Like they're that just, is not. just a few orgasms away from fixing all that though. True, uh-huh. true. Well, it's very right. hard to be intimate when you're tit for tatting. Well, but that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying, right? So there's this kind of cyclical process where you get farther and farther intimately and that fuels the resentment and the anger. And then you get farther and farther intimately. And next thing you know, some couples, I mean, I, I work with some couples sometimes, they have sex once a year. What? Like some some haven't. Like they'll have a drunken whatever and then they hook up. But when you hear that, you, you start understanding the depth of the break, the breach and in intimacy that they've had. Well, this is the thing with that saying, nothing good comes from closing. Because there was a moment for that couple where yeah. the divide started and at the very beginning it was one millimeter. And then it becomes this, you know, this chasm they can't even cross anymore. So true. And to be honest, you know, at times that one initial point of closing off can become too great you know, for some people and the relationship ends. But when once you know this, we always sort of joke, like every partner, every relationship should have it tattooed on their foreheads or on their body somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like nothing good comes from closing. We used to actually have it written on our mirror. mirror. Like we can, mm. we had these pens that you can write on the mirrors yeah. in the glass with. And we used to have that. Nothing good comes from closing when we were like really trying to embed it into our life. Yeah, and it really helped. It. You can finish it so quickly. You can, you can turn that situation around so quickly when you go, huh, okay, I'm closed and so is she, but I'm picking up that I'm probably a bit less close than her. So it's my role. I love it. I you love know? the taking the responsibility and yep. being accountable for you can play a role in the reopening. You know, Sophie and I just did an episode on uh, our use of MDMA. And part of the reason why it's been so relevant 
was for Sophie more than for me initially, at least, was because intimacy and sexuality had gotten closed off for her for years. You know, her, the relationship before me was a pretty turbulent, abusive one. And so sex became not even just something that's not enjoyable, but a point of pain and, you know, there was sexual assault and things like that that happened mm-hmm. on a pretty regular basis. And so she kind of turned it off. And you mentioned I'm more close than she is, she's more close than I am, whatever the whatever is true for your relationship. For so, the moment. For the moment. Sometimes yeah. it's it feels like it's just shut. It feels like it's completely closed off and barricaded. Um, but it's one gesture away. Yeah. It's one gesture away. I always find this so interesting because it's literally one small gesture from changing. Yeah. Like you, you know, you made that gesture in the bed of just reaching over and now, what would have happened if you didn't do that is the next day would have at least have been gone. At least the next day. Possibly a week. Have you guys, I don't know your stance on um, sobriety and substance use. What? <laughs> it's funny. I, I'm just thinking as I'm saying that, I'm like, I know the stereotype of um, music and the music world, but... <laughs> What do you guys say when there is, when the chasm is so wide, have you, are you guys open to those sorts of like interventions? Is it, you know, when you talk to other couples who struggle with those things, what is your stance on that? Well, it's interesting that neither has really drunk anything for the last 10 years. I've maybe had the equivalent of a glass of red wine in 10 years, just little sips, you know, yeah. when my dad wants me to try something or something oh, like that, funny. you know, just to share that moment. Um, and we've never really been, um, certainly not recreational drug takers. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting being in LA cause we've, we've just arrived here. Um, there is a constant conversation around, um, ayahuasca and 5-MODMT and MDMA. Like it is such a big thing here in LA. Huge. Right. Um, it's just not really, to be honest, it's not as part of the fabric of society in Australia. Or I mean, it's definitely, anywhere outside of LA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. It's definitely, it definitely exists. Um, it's less accessible as well. It, it just, it's not really a part of our world. It doesn't come up a lot. It but really totally, we, we don't judge. It's whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, no. That's the reason I was asking is intimacy can be a gesture away and yet... Um, some people have been through trauma, like real trauma. And so they have, I don't want to say locked away the potential of ever seeing somebody else's gesture as safe, but it's almost like their system neurochemically is programmed to watch for risk so much that there are few and far between are the gestures that somebody can provide or it can take just years and years and years of trust building to get to that point. Um, so as an intervention to short circuit the process. Yeah. And actually, I guess, so I'm asking maybe in addition to that, I'm asking like, I'm sure people reach out to you on a regular basis. Like what are some of the tools? I always like having practical tools for the listeners. Like what are some practical tools would you mention as gesture for somebody who is struggling right now, where either they know themselves that they have a really hard time with intimacy because when somebody approaches, they, retract from fear um, or for somebody who's in a situation where their partner retracts and uh, and they're trying to bridge the gap? I think first of all, um, educating yourself is really important. So if I hadn't have had a few key 
books in my life. I just wouldn't have had the tools to even call in someone like Melissa, let alone do the things we've been able to do together on intimate life. It just wouldn't have been possible. So I think taking responsibility and educating yourself is really important. And, you know, there are books out there which can just change your life. Melissa's book, Open Wide, is a life changer for women, for sure. The Way of the Superior Man was one that I read and just went, uh, oh my God, I've been blind and now I see, you know, and yeah. I just didn't know, I didn't know what it meant to be a man in the 21st century before I read that book. I had no idea. Um, so I think educating is really important um, and taking responsibility and then putting that into action. And from the masculine perspective, I think for men out there, I think fully understanding what it means to be a man in today's society, gay or straight, um, and being able to use the tools that have been used for, for thousands and thousands of years, whether it was Tantra or Taoism, these sorts of practices. And you can not only transform your relationship, but you can transform yourself. If you're, if you're ejaculating five times a week, you're like, good luck with your mission. You're going to be very deflated. You know, like um, some people have more, you know, chi than other yeah. people and can handle it. But for me personally, my experience with that is like, I've really had to master that side of my own physical body because the minute that I did, my entire universe changed. The minute I started using that energy for more um, productive things in my life, I not only became healthier and stronger, I called in this beautiful thing. And then I got into put, put into practice these amazing practices which have elevated our sex life too. I mean, it's not even, to be honest, not even, sex life almost undermines the importance of what it is. Mm. It is how we came together was, was this, it was that union, that physical intimacy that really made our connection stand out, didn't it? Mm, it was very, very, very different. Mm -hmm. It's just so anyway to answer the question. Sorry, darling. I think taking responsibility, educating yourself, and actually doing like doing the work and putting it into action, yep. and starting know? small, like as well. Like if there has been trauma, and it, it, like I think they think oh, I've got to get to there. But like just starting small with even just like trust, like touch, mm -hmm. like just something so simple just to build that trust because their trust has been broken through whatever traumatic incident happened. And so that, that has to be built. And I think the reason we were able to go so deep so quickly in our sexual life and in our relationship is because there was so much trust because yeah, from day one, I felt safe. I felt held. But if I didn't feel that, I wouldn't have been able to be so open, open in my heart, open in all my chakras. I wouldn't have been able to do that. And so I think, yeah, just starting small and just building that trust. I think another gesture just reminded me of something which happened a few weeks ago. We will, we do this walk where we live in Noosa. We do this walk along on um, the beach in, in the evenings and up through the main streets. It's really beautiful. And at the time we weren't like in a bad place or anything, but we weren't like fully vibing. And we got to this beautiful little spot, the sun was setting and I just stopped walking, turned her around and just gave her the biggest pash, like tongue down the throat pash. Like just, you know, like it was so beautiful and so sensual, not tongue down the throat, but a good, yeah, a good yeah, appropriate was, usage yeah, like of halfway, halfway down. Yeah, a good yeah. appropriate usage of tongue. Like yeah. <laughs> no, was, yeah. Close. Yeah. But, but that that gesture, it's a small gesture, 
it's sometimes really hard to do the small things like that, but they, they lead to very big results. And then I can't remember if we made love that night, but probably did because all it takes for me personally to be turned on is just one kiss. Like if I sure. feel love is flowing, then my body turns on. Mm-hmm. If there's no love. I'm just like, shut off. Mm -hmm. And so, but I found that it's really easy to open the circuit of love between each other with the smallest of gestures, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Definitely. Something so simple, a touch, you know, just hand on the back. It could be a nice nice comment even just, you know, maybe you're not quite at the kiss. It's like, you look really beautiful today, baby. Yeah. And then a little touch and then a kiss later in the day. And all of a sudden that evening, you know, you're in a different space. Yeah, I think what I like about that is um, for some people, there's a lot of fear to go all in. And so these little moments can offer opportunities to just advance the cause a little step at a time. Well, the other thing as well is everyone has a different situation. So we have, I have a 14 year old son, Melissa's bonus son, and he's with us around half the time. Um, But when he's up, in our other home with, with Melissa, when we're all together, um, things are different. So, you know, everyone's got a different situation when you've got kids, no kids. I think it's important to honor that and to say, well, my relationship's going to look different to Nick and Melissa's or whoever's right. Um, because when Leo's with us, we have to be really, really conscious about having our time together because it's very easy in that say two week period or three week period for things to go a bit off off the rails. Cause we've had this sort of little cocoon of time together where it's like, yeah, we wake up in the morning, let's make love, and love. you know, like mm-hmm. it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you've got this other energy, this other responsibility. So we've, I think we've got better in those times. Number one of making space, but also me recognizing that, bringing my child into that situation, I need to give Melissa a little bit more attention and love. Totally. So she doesn't feel like she's now this sort of third Third wheel, wheel. Mm -hmm. you know? I think it's so important. Like if you have kids and I'd love to hear your perspective Mm -hmm. on this, but yeah, for us making the space, creating the space for our relationship is so, whether it's once a week date night, like for us, it's just when Leo is with us, mm-hmm. he's in bed, then that's our time. Yeah. And we ha- we give him a strict bedtime so that we can have our time. Because during the day, it's as you know, it's all about them. Mm-hmm. And so he has a strict be- bedtime so that then we can get into bed and yeah. make love and talk yeah. and connect or have a bath or whatever we do. Mm-hmm. And that's our special time. And so, yeah, it's really important, whether it's once a week or every night, And even in the morning, we also have a bit of time in the morning. We get up a bit earlier when he's there. So we can just lay in bed, talk, connect, kiss, make love, whatever we feel like doing. Just those like bookending your day. If you have kids with a little bit of time together, will go such a long way. Mm -hmm. What do you guys do with three kids? Yeah, I mean, it's it's essentially the same, just a little amplified. Um, we We have to make time, you know, it's like... And baby phase is way different than older kids. Like with the older ones, we can just say, go watch a show, make your brother breakfast, go play like Legos with the baby. Once she's up, she's up. It's over. So it's, you know, I think at different steps along the way and different stages along the way, we've had to adjust and check in with one another and figure out what works for this current 
you know, place that we're in at that time. And it's constantly evolving and changing Mm -hmm. and shifting based on our demands, based on work, based on the energy that's going out. Um, Or even travel life for us right now. We're traveling and, you know, it's just different. We're out of routine. Yep. And, and we're staying up so much later and we're getting up earlier mm-hmm. and like, yeah. So you just do need to be more conscious yeah. of it. And just know that it's not about like for us, if we don't carve out the time, it probably won't happen. Totally. It's not because we don't want to. Exactly. Yeah. Like you've got to put it in your calendar. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Same with us. Yeah. If it, Cause it's not, it's like meditating. It's like working yeah. out. It's like yoga. If you don't put those in your calendar, they will not happen. Right. Yeah. So we just started, um, you know, we mostly, we realize it once it's missing, right? Like we'll be like, Oh, it's been like two weeks since we've had sex. Well, what can we do here? And then it was like, okay, we haven't had a date night in a while. Okay. Let's start there. Yeah. Every Thursday night, Au pair is scheduled. Thursday nights is our date night. Okay. Create space. Whether or not it happens or not, the intention is there to share space together to, even if we're tired, even if it's been a long week, we're showing up for one another. And that in itself then ends up creating a ripple effect in a positive way. Oh, totally. We used to, I mean, before the kids for sure, but like morning sex was a big thing for us and- you know, with kids, it's just harder, especially when you're up to like two or three kids and there's almost always a baby in our bed when we wake up. Um, but it's, so it's definitely an adjustment. Like it's definitely, I think you made a point that was really, um, that I really want to make sure people pay attention to. And that is when the circumstances change, just that thing we talked about before about taking accountability for your 50%, don't just expect that the other person will now do what is required to keep the intimacy going your fucking job, like figure some shit out. And if what Nick was saying before about do a little something throughout the day to just keep a little taste of intimacy. That makes a huge difference. Yeah, because I think like in so many other areas in life, we just get carried away with the flow when life changes and takes us that way. I think that the masculine is funny as well, just speaking as a heterosexual male, because um Often the masculine tendencies in lovemaking is to get to the point a bit too quickly. And, you mm-hmm. know, I've been sort of re-going back into a lot of Taoist work recently just to, I feel like we've reached a point in our own lovemaking where it's like, it's been amazing and we've normalized at a very high level. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, but now that's become our normal, let's go somewhere else now. Mm-hmm. So I've sort of dived back into it. And there's this beautiful, I can't remember the exact words, but it was something along the lines of, the the penis is just say a, f- a lightning rod, a fire rod, or something like a fire. Let's just call it a fire rod. I can't remember the exact name. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the woman or the vagina is like a pot of water. And when you're stirring that pot of water, it takes a while to bring it up to warmth, especially to make it boil. And the 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 fire rod has to have enough energy and enough flame to maintain enough length of time to heat the water up, um, which comes back to obviously semen retention, these sorts of things as, as techniques. But that little connection through the day, whether it's, you know, just a little bit of intimacy in the morning, doesn't have to be making love, but that kiss at lunchtime, if you work from home together like we do, or, you know, when they come home from work and that little bit, that's just that moment that can start the warming process. And like men are so freaking stupid sometimes. It's like we forget the simplest things that can make our lives so much easier. We talked about that in one of the old episodes because when you're courting, waiting for the date starts the warm up. You know, going to the dinner, 
there's already the look and the little touches. It's a warm up, and then you you've been together for ten years, and you forget all the little easy to use techniques that you put so much attention on. And you're absolutely right. I mean, we literally talked about this in in one of the other episodes. There's this much longer warming up period mm-hmm. to really create the heat that you want. And mm. you know what? It's it doesn't even have to be these grand gestures. Mm-mm. Like he will might send me a text message yeah. and I'm downstairs and he's like, "Have I have I told you lately just how beautiful I think you are?" And my heart goes, "Oh, like I just fully melt." He's mm-hmm. like that took you what 30 seconds to write and you just made my day. Mm-hmm. And your bicycle starts spinning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. And or, you know, we leave um like little notes around the house on a mm-hmm. sticky note. Like I'm so proud of you or I love you. Like something so simple. doesn't cost any money. Right. You know, it's such, it's the gesture. And I feel like we are very mindful of doing those little things and the compliments, mm-hmm. you know, and it's so easy not to do them. Right. And we do forget. Like yeah, we do. no means perfect. Yeah. We just have moments where we remember like, oh, that's right. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that feels so good. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we need it, but it's nice. You yeah, know? I think we do need it. I, I think, think we, we need, need reminders. I think because yeah. I'm someone who that isn't my love language. Affirmations is not my love language. What's yours? Um, well, for a long time, it was physical touch. Um, and then I had babies and it kind of transferred into um, acts of service. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, like all I want is for him to say, I got the kids you sleep in. Yeah. Or, you know what? I scheduled you a massage. Your afternoon, you're taking off, and I've got the kids under control, like no questions asked. Or I booked us a baby, I booked us, you know, a date night, babysitter's booked, kids are happy. Like, what? Like, that, yes. that act of service that I would have typically been taking the time and energy to do or not, I maybe wouldn't have treated myself to that massage or ran myself ragged, you know? I think the reminders are important too. Yeah. I mean, personally, for me, maybe it's just my personality, but I like. Uh, we use the app called Things, which is like our personal productivity system. And and I have in there reminders to text her every day. Yeah. Because I forget. Yeah. You know. Yeah, D has like tell, tell your wife you love her and his yes. calendar like a few random times. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Whatever you got to do. Takes. Whatever, Whatever it takes. Exactly. He's very like ADD, ADHD. Like yeah. he's very attentive to what is in front of him, which is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. If you're also someone that forgets about things, cool, put it in your calendar. No shame in your game. No, no way. Or put a reminder no in your cares. phone. No one cares. I know that that reminder's there. Yeah. So when he tells me, I know he just saw it. It doesn't make me care about it less. No, no It doesn't way. make it feel any less real. No. I know he means it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know with Nick's as yeah. well. Like, And if you've got to put alarms on your phone at, yeah. at 12 o'clock every day to text your partner yeah. and say, you look so beautiful today or whatever, or just compliment her. And I her. think just most importantly, asking for what you need. And that's yeah. something that comes really hard, I think mostly for women but also for men men don't you know the typical man doesn't want to have to ask for what he needs like it just wants to come to him and Mm -hmm. the typical woman's like i've got it all under control and like i'm just this passive well no nothing's gonna happen we can't read minds Mm -hmm. and you know when we're away another thing that's been really great is when we're away from each other like the little flirtation in between it's so easy Mm. i just forget i'm with kids he's off at a business trip like it takes 30 seconds. Totally. That little flirt, yeah. a gif. Like I'm yeah. like new on the gif game, but like 
a little flirty, like the sheets, whatever. Like there's so many different <laughs> gifts. Like you I'm have not, to teach me how to do those. I'll teach you. Yeah, like yeah. it's a game changer because it just mm. immediately like makes you feel something, yeah. you know? Cool. And it's so sweet. Like even just like cute little sexy pictures. Yeah. Like when we're away and often he will be in another city with Leo and I'll be in our other place. Mm-hmm. So I'm like you oh. where I've got all this time mm-hmm. and he's too busy. And I'm just like, what about me? Hey. Like, hello, yeah. I'm pay still here. Yeah, pay attention yeah. to me. Yeah. And then he'll send me like one message and my whole heart just mm-hmm. melts. We get to about day 10. I'm like, Hey baby, can you send me a little nerdy photo? Yeah. <laughs> like I really want to see it. And, yeah. um, Again, asking for what you want. Yes. There's no yes. shame in that. Like no. she didn't send it not because she doesn't want to send it because she it just didn't cross her mind that day. But yeah. you are you remembered, so just say it. She's also got fears of like iCloud leaks, but yeah, I do too. I, I, watch, I do too. I no, watch I do too many too. of those movies. I do too. And now I'm like, no, mom, I'm not doing anymore. Literally, and like his assistants check all his yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not <laughs> sending you anything. I'm like, I'm scared if I take it with a filter on Instagram, like I'm gonna be that girl that accidentally sends it. Yes. And then, Hundreds of thousands of people see it. So yeah, it is scary, but um, (laughs) I send pictures via text and... Yeah, we found a way. And, yeah. and, I, was and, just, and I enjoy them. Yes. Yeah, I bet you do. I'm sure every man And does. it just made me think, you know, that first date, second date, third date, that feeling of like intense mm-hmm. wanting and passion. It's just... I thought I remember the, the moment where things really changed for us. We hadn't... I think we'd kissed maybe once before this moment, but uh, Melissa was in the middle of a tour and I, there was no expectations at the time and a little bit of time had passed and we hadn't really texted or anything. And, and I just, I think you text me and you'd, you'd come home and you were reading, funny enough, Dear Lover by David Dieter in the bath um, at home. And I was like, hey, what are you doing tonight? And she said, well, not much. And I said, do you want to come over? And she said, I'll, I'll be there. No, no, you said, I'm coming over. You just said it. And literally like the drive from her house at the time was maybe 20 minutes. No joke. She was in the bath. She was there in 25 minutes. Mm. Right. She got, and she, she comes up in the elevator in this tight little red dress and she comes, I'm mid conversation with a neighbor. She comes out and I literally grabbed her, pushed her against the wall and started passing her. And we hadn't really done that yet. And we went out on this, like our first proper date and at that first proper date, that's where we spoke about getting married. Mm. Like it just, you know, and we were so hot for each other and we can still get to that place. Yeah. But I, my challenge for the listeners would be, and for anyone, is that what can you do as a little challenge for mm. yourself, a personal challenge, without your partner knowing, how can you get them into that state? Without, yeah. Don't tell them what you're doing. Yeah. Like try and like. Surprise freaking, them. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Like, like a fun little game. Yeah. Really fun, mm. like fun challenge. Like. This and forever week. keeping that game alive. Totally. When and we're traveling, when we're and it doesn't take much at all. No. Just once a week. I mean, if you can get your partner yeah. to that state once a week, you are in a very tiny percentage totally. of the and world. Yeah. We were we've been married for six years and we yeah, like Nick was saying, our we we hit a ceiling with our lovemaking. So that's why we're now diving yeah. deeper into the Taoism yeah. and yeah and like it's just so exciting and mm. fresh and new and it's so important. And you never get there. Like there's no. never a point like if if you feel like things are stale or stagnant in a certain area it's time to go back to work, go back to therapy, see a healer, see a sex coach, whatever it is, it you never stop learning. Get a new book, start reading together. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's, it's your person for the rest of your life. Like, are you going to just stop in your own life? Like stop growing? No. So don't do the same in your relationship. Yeah, totally. And there's so many epic resources out there. Yeah. There's books, there's podcasts like this, there's, there's YouTube videos. There's incredible people out there that we all have access to for free yeah. Yeah. to take our relationship to the next level. And I think I'm so grateful that I'm with someone who is equally committed to the growth. Like we just had a conversation and I, it was me and I was like, I feel like we've hit a ceiling in our sex life. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's amazing. And, and, and most people would probably be really happy and content with that, but I'm like, it's time. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be crude about it for a second, but I'll. I think you'll get why. Like, you can go to the best sushi place on the face of the earth. Like the most incredible, amazing sushi place. The first time you have it, it's magical. Second time, it's amazing. You keep going. You're there for two years, and that's all you've eaten for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm-hmm. You want something else, and yeah. and we can we can pretend like we're not going to find that in our partner. We can say to ourselves, "Well, I guess we're stuck." This is what I'm stuck with forever. Not recognizing we're eating the best sushi on the planet. Or we can turn to the waiter and go, hey, do you guys serve anything else here? And just go to our partner. And like you said before, just ask. Just literally just what you just said, Melissa. Just go to our partner and say, hey, our sex is amazing. I need need a little change. Like some gyoza. Yeah. Yeah, say the waiter, like, what have you got? And they say, I've got some gyoza. Like, what? Oh, I know. know Dumplings, you you got, this is amazing. Yeah, exactly. So I think- um, I love it. I love that somehow we ended up here from the beginning. This is um, this is really beautiful and Not and I love the challenge, right? Because I think it's important. We all need to challenge ourselves all the time. And what I love about what you said, Nick, is take it upon yourself. Don't start doing that thing in your head where you're saying, "Well, here's why my partner and I are not having the best sex." Forget that. Well, take also, it upon yourself. One of the best things I remember from therapy, which I still struggle struggle, struggle with right now and always for the rest of time, is if you want something, just do it. You want your husband to touch you more, touch him more. And I like I'm so resistant to that because I'm like, fuck that, touch me. You do it to me yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it just doesn't work. Is yeah, it? No. It just like if you're work. wanting more love, yeah, go give them more love. If you, yeah, it's so it's energy. A mm-hmm. plus B equals C always. Yeah. If you put more energy out, it will come back to you. Whatever mm-hmm. you put out into the universe will come back. Same in love, same in these gestures. Yeah. I love it. So I feel like this could go for 14 hours. Yeah. Um, Time to eat dinner. But this is not a Joe Rogan yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, love you, Joe Rogan. It's all good. Um, we got five questions we ask everybody. Oh. We want to ask you our questions. You can Wait. answer them as a couple. You can ask them separately. We we'll do not discriminate. We we'll give you the yin yang perspective. I love yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. I wonder if they're going to be the same. So, question number one: What is the best advice you've ever received about relationships in life? Mm, in life, the best advice. You I can think take it's all the time you want. I think you know the first thing that came to me, and it's really simple. And this is something that was so powerful for me. It was like, be your own best friend. Mm. Because for so many years, I was my own worst enemy. Mm. And I treated myself so poorly. And it's very simple. But I think it's just be your own best friend. Have your own back. Oh, so good. You know? Yeah, that's mine. Yeah, this is probably advice from myself to myself um, and my lesson in life is do what you love sooner Mm. because it's so easy to put off that thing that lights you up 
because yeah. it may not fit the social norms of what mm. success is or whatever. As we're sitting here podcasting in our basement office. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Yes. But whatever it is that you know, if you just know you're born to do something or something lights you up, do it sort of, do it as a teenager, you know, start it. So when you leave school, you can freaking do mm. that for a living, you know, don't, don't follow the usual path. Love it. Love it so much. Um, second question. What is your proudest moment to date? I have a couple. Can I give a few? You can yeah. give as many as you want. I was definitely proud marrying you. That was mm. definitely, I felt very proud and yeah, definitely marrying you. Um, I also felt really proud when I launched my first book. Mm, that sure. was a really proud moment. And when I did my first TED talk last year, mm. very proud. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I think marrying you for sure. I was very honored to marry Melissa. I felt um, in awe of her, completely in awe of her. Mm. I still do. And it's easy to forget I that I think you're sometimes. not the only one. <laughs> it's easy to forget that sometimes because yeah. you're around, I'm around awesomeness all the time. Um, but we were doing a show here in LA called the Carlson and Lisa show. It's a morning show uh, this week. And I was watching her because we were filming it separately for, on different days. And I was watching her talk and I was like, oh my God, like, that's my wife. Uh, <laughs> like, I love those moments. You know, um, but I can't go past the birth of Leo. I mean, that's, mm. I mean, I definitely was a different person back then. Yeah. I definitely didn't appreciate that at the time as much as I do now. Mm. But um, I was a really young dad and um, I feel very, very honored and proud to have a 14 year old that, that humbles me in his own Beauty and humility. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, if he's the only thing I did in this world, I've done a good job. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Agreed. What has been your most difficult moment to date? So many. <laughs> <laughs> I think very difficult time for me was losing my best friend um, in 2015. 15. Yeah, five years ago now. Wow. That was really challenging because I'd never lost anyone close to me before and so didn't have any tools, didn't really understand the depth of pain. And so that was very, very difficult, but so much growth through that as well. And then um, what's been quite difficult, another thing is, is stepping into the role of a stepmom has been quite mm. challenging for me to get my head around and find my place whilst being triggered, all my childhood wounds being triggered. So that, and then me taking responsibility and looking at that and doing the work on mm. that, that's been very difficult too. But again, so much growth on the other side. Yeah, There always is. Always. Always. Yeah, I mean, I actually would echo that and say that supporting you in that process of moving through the triggers brought up by being a step-parent, because Leo is a very beautiful, shiny, amazing child, but he's a very shiny mirror that, that has been placed here in this situation, the three of us, to shine light on the things that Melissa was not aware of. Didn't, didn't, even, didn't know even know about these there were, traumas. They were there, these, right. this trauma. Of course. Didn't even know. Yeah. I was like, whoa, whoa. 
you know? And, and to be honest, you know, uh, until a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a something which Melissa hadn't even uh, been aware of in her childhood, which came up in a, in a session with this new lady we we're working with. Um, and I fell more in love with her because of that, mm. you know, because I just saw her and I was just like, oh, my heart just melted. But it, it's very challenging being a parent with the two people you love the most and seeing the challenges there. Yeah. Um, so, because you can't, you can't pick. You can't choose. Totally. Like, and it's family. And you can't even, it's almost like you have no control over the end result. You just have to let it play out. Yeah. It's, it's full trust and surrender. And I know, you know, all storms pass. Like I get it. Um, so that's definitely a big one. But I just wanted to also put in there going through a divorce because that triggered so many things for me that were challenging with health. You know, I ended up. I'm in hospital and I was bedridden for a few years and I just uh, stuff like that, which was such a deep, dark hole to come out of. But man, when you do, it's, you have a serious arsenal of tools. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, self-care, what do you do? What are non-negotiables for you? Mm. Oh my goodness. I feel like uh, for me, there's my whole life is just about Mm self-care. Like I don't do anything that anymore. I used to loads of things, but I don't do anything anymore that isn't in alignment with self-care. So Mm -hmm. like for me, you know, meditating, moving my body, eating really nutritious, organic food, clean water, making sure my relationships are thriving, like spending time in nature, doing work that I love. Mm -hmm. Like you go through every area of your life and I'm like, I, it's all, making me thrive. It's yeah. all filling me up. I spent way too much of my life self-sabotaging, yeah. doing work that I hated, surrounding myself with very toxic relationships, mm-hmm. toxic men, eating toxic food, using toxic products. Toxic friendships. Toxic friendships, exactly. And I feel like, yeah, everything that we do in our life is to fill ourselves up so that we can serve others. Right. So yeah, we have we have lots of beautiful rituals yeah. that we do every day. We do, we do, uh, and certainly Vedic meditation or transcendental meditation was a game changer for me. Um, that technique, which I've I've now been doing for I think coming on twelve years now, mm. um, that completely shifted. In fact, it's probably largely responsible for my marriage breakup actually, because I went on a different path mm. and that gap got so much bigger. Um, so meditation is, of course, hugely important. But it's interesting, I haven't been as disciplined since we moved to Noosa because I've got other things which um, I haven't had, such as being able to surf every day. Mm. And that has fed me in a, in a way exactly. that's been really interesting. Yeah. I don't think surfing is meditation. I think it's meditative. Right. It doesn't give the same benefit. Um, but it gives me a benefit that I'm enjoying at the moment. Um, but we, we just take very we're – very, we're very disciplined, mm-hmm. actually. Um when I go to Bondi, our second home with Leo, I'm less disciplined. It's like I'm a bit rebellious. Yeah. So when I'm back with Melissa and Nusa, it's like, oh, thank God, I've got someone to keep me in line, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have our routines that we like, you know, we have lemon waters in the morning, we do our celery juice, we have the same smoothie every morning, you know, we all organic. We When we go out for um, a meal, we always check what they're cooking with. Mm-hmm. We ask them to water saute or to use olive oil or something, whatever, right? We're really, really... Uh, fanatical about that stuff because we've lost our health, both of us, and we don't want to do that again. Um, but there's, yeah, and for me, nature has been a huge, 
huge thing and physical self-care as a, as a man i love to feel strong i love to feel muscular i'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie like it makes me feel fantastic mm-hmm. my testosterone is higher i have more vigor so yeah we've got a lot of things we do that's like a drop in the ocean of what we do don't you feel though um at least this is the way i am like it's so much more fun to be disciplined when you have the freedom to not be too like i don't know that i right would thrive and feel fulfilled being disciplined if i didn't also play like oh, the yeah. fact that you have those weekends or weeks with Leo to let yourself off the hook mm-hmm. yeah. is probably part of the reason why being disciplined on your own feels so good. Totally. You know what point. I mean? Like if you just, I don't know, personally, if I just lived my life that way 24 seven, I'd be fucking bored. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I've, I've, sure, I'm thriving. I'm like at a hundred percent health, but like, I'm not actually having any fun or play. And yes. like, sometimes I want some ice cream. We've yeah. hit that point for sure. You know, and play is that is self care. Yeah. That's self love. Yeah. Play like this morning. We're staying with friends. I was on the trampoline. Yeah, I was jumping on the like playing, being silly. Yeah. Like that is something like I have dancing and kids are great for this. Yeah, being silly, like making funny voices, yeah. singing out of tune, mm-hmm. dancing around the house. Like this is me constantly. Yeah, but there was a part of me that didn't do that for so long because I felt like I had to be put together, right, and look a certain way. And now I'm just like I do not care like I dance stupidly I sing stupidly because it brings me joy Mm -hmm. and that's the that's self-care that's self-love you know I agree I think the playful stuff as well is interesting because um Melissa asked me maybe three or four years ago what do you want your legacy to be with Leo and at the time I could feel I wasn't parenting in a way that was fully in alignment with my values and same with Melissa we're both kind of a bit off with our parenting and I just went oh I want him to remember me as the most playful dad ever. Mm. So from that moment, I just changed everything. Mm-hmm. And my absolute priority when Leo's around is he wants to play, I'm playing. Amazing. So before school and after school, every single day without a, without fail, we, we play. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Final question. This podcast is called Ignited. What ignites you? For me personally, it's it's um everything we've discussed because mm. <laughs> it's just so juicy. Um, so family, love, relationships, but nothing lights me up more than completing a song mm. and releasing it. You the have releasing a new st- song, right? Yes. I have a new song called Breathe, which just came out last week. Mm. Really, really proud of it. It's actually about the polarity in relationships. Oh. So the chorus is, I'll be waiting for you. And then the very end, it resolves with, you'll be waiting for me. And it's about the times where generally we find that one of us is holding space for the other. We're waiting for them and then it switches. Mm. That's the polarity. So you can check that out on Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you listen to music. Amazing. Yep. Mm, it's a beautiful song. It's so beautiful. And I think for me, I am, there's so many things, but one of the best things that just makes me feel so lit up and ignited is conversations like mm-hmm. these like when you just drop in and you can go deep and you can be honest and vulnerable and your true self like for so many years I hung out with people that I felt like I couldn't be my true self yeah or you just wouldn't go there yeah you would never go there it's like you just surface level like, how are you? Yeah, good. You're good. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, that's so boring. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to play in the shallow end. Mm-hmm. I want to go deep. Yeah. And I love being in conversation where, like, we had a four hour conversation mm-hmm. with friends today, four hours. And none of us looked at our phone and we're like, oh my God, we've been sitting here for four hours. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot with us. Mm-hmm. We have people over for dinner. 
like we have couples over for dinner and yeah, they're there till they're there for like six hours. And we're like, holy moly. Same. We've, we've sat and closed the restaurants and we're like, what time is it? Everyone's gone. We're like, oh, it is closing. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And then, yeah, things like, um, meditating, being in nature, like really for me, um, deep connection, like deep intimacy with Nick, um, writing, speaking on stage in total flow state. Mm -hmm. That for me is just my total jam. Yeah, all of that. And doing it together. We love that. Yeah, Yeah. we love doing that together. One of the reasons we're here, we're going off to New York tomorrow is to have meetings around doing our own TV show. And Mm. um, we're excited about that. Yeah. That ignites us. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much. Mm. This is the best kind of podcaster when we just throw it together. We're like, want to record? Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Thank you so much thank for having you us. For yeah. and thank, thank you for, for us. being examples. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for coming over. Um, can't wait to hear from our listeners about what really connected. I feel like we had so many different yeah, amazing so areas. couples that listen. So this will be great. Awesome. Yeah. And following on uh, on Nick's challenge for those of you who follow through I want to hear results so either DM us mm. or screenshot this podcast after you do it tag all four of us and yes. Ignited and let us know how did it work what did it do awesome. love to know yeah love thanks it. guys thank you all for joining us see you next week thank you everybody for listening to the Ignited podcast we were so happy to have you along for this ride please go and subscribe to this leave us a review. We love hearing from you. And if you want more, don't forget to go to ignited.com where all the podcast episodes are available with show notes and so many of the little details and links from each one of these interviews. And you can look at all the future events that we have going on, all the things that make Ignited so special, even beyond this recording. Again, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next week.